Thank you so much. You know, in, in, in uh, the Bible, it talks about greeting each other with a holy kiss. I, I thought about it there, but I, I thought maybe for the camera it would be a little too much, you know? <laughs> yeah, after, after COVID, that's right, there we go, you know? <laughs> uh, everyone, it's again, it's sad to be with you on camera, but I can't wait to be in person with you again very soon. We're that much closer uh, if you weren't uh, with us last week, we anticipate that on the 20th of June will be the first time that we're able to gather together. We'll be gathering outside here at the Lifehouse Center, and it's going to be amazing. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm James. I, I lead Lifehouse with my amazing wife, Lee, and our two boys, Joel and Seth, and an incredible team of people, that, of elders and leaders that that call this place home and that are absolutely dedicated to seeing people just live in the fullness of who they are in Jesus. So if you're here for the first time joining us online, it's great to have you and can't wait to see you in person when we're meeting outside in a few weeks' time. You know, Jesus is amazing. And I just want to remind you right now where you are of just His goodness, His grace. If you don't know Jesus, then I, just, I encourage you to get to know Him. You know, because He personally wants to know you. You know, God wants to know you. He cares about you as an individual. Jesus died so that you would be set free from the bonds and chains of sin and death and that you would be set alive once again, living with God, living in re- direct relationship with Him. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. that there's, There is not a perfect person in this world. There's not a perfect Christian. But for us uh, that are followers of Jesus, we firmly believe that what Jesus did once and for all paid for sin and for the consequences of sin and eliminated death, that we have an eternal life. You know, it doesn't mean that we don't die. It just means that our life continues on after our life in this world. And this, it's so freeing for each and every one of us. It's actually really difficult, even for Christians, to fully believe at times just how free we are. Because that freedom that we have isn't a freedom that says, hey, just live whatever way you want to and do whatever you want. It's a freedom that says that, you know, the ways that we have lived and adopted that are not God's ways, they don't control us anymore. And we're actually able to walk free of those things and actually live a life of peace, live a life of joy, live a life of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of perseverance, of being faithful to one another, uh, a life of self-control. You know, it's this incredible thing where we actually aren't subject to being driven anymore by our old ways. And this is so key and so important because we look at things like safe families that we were watching that video for today. And, and what a blessing that we can go, hey, you know, we have something to give. We have something to offer. We have something to bring. And we can share that peace and that patience and that love and that faithfulness that comes from walking with Jesus with others. And we can share that with a family in need like we see in safe families. But more importantly, we are meant to share it with one another. We're meant to live in a place of peace. We're meant to live in a place of unity. And for that at a community level. And that's what I want to talk to us a little bit about today. And just us being a community together. As I talked about last week, what we're doing right now, it's, it's, uh, it's all we're able to do, and it's better than nothing. But, you know, sitting at home, watching a video, that isn't what the church is. You know, the church isn't a building, it's not a sermon, it's not a Sunday gathering. The church is a group of people 
that are followers together of Jesus Christ. Now, there's the, the big church of everyone in the world that is a disciple of Jesus. And then there are these smaller communities that we have of different sizes where people are walking together as family and they're walking together as one. But, you know, we view community through the lens that we've got, you know, and, and depending where in the world you are today, you're going to view community a little bit differently. And when the Bible was written, when the letters that we have of the New Testament, when the Gospels, when they were written down, community meant something specifically to them as well. Family meant something to them that was very different than the, the context we have for family in our world today, especially in Western world, North American world, or here in Ontario, Canada, where we're shooting this video. And so it's actually really important when we're reading the Bible, we understand the context that it was written into. Because there's a lot of things there that talk about us being brothers and sisters. There's a lot of things that talk about the family of God in the letters of the New Testament, uh, even in the teachings that Jesus had. And it can, so if we interpret those things through you know, the, the small you know, two-parent or one-parent and a couple of kids family that we typically associate with, we will really misunderstand what it is that was being taught and being lived and being communicated in those times. So, you know, if, if, you've, if you've read the book of Acts, you know, then you probably got to the end of chapter 2 of Acts and the end of chapter 4 and found something that was a little strange to you. And, you know, I'm not going to turn us there right now, but please go and take them uh, some time after I've spoken and, and go look those things up. Again, the last bit of chapter 2, the last bit of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And what it describes is people that had responded to the message of Jesus and then were living in community together. It says in, in Acts, the end of Acts 2, that they were dedicated to being taught by the apostles. They were in awe of the signs and wonders that the apostles were performing as they were sharing the gospel with them and teaching them about the gospel, but that they also were breaking bread together in each other's homes, which basically means having a meal together in each other's homes. It wasn't that they were taking a little wafer or, or you know, they got a, a, a loaf of bread and ceremonially were breaking pieces off of it. They were, they were having meals together. That's what breaking bread referred to. And they were, they were in each other's lives. It said they were breaking bread together daily. Now, it was talking about, in this case, 3,000 people. So they weren't all 3,000 people, weren't going from house to house together, and we're going to host 3,000 people today. They were just, they were choosing to be a community together. And, and that may seem really weird to us because we typically, you know, we function as individuals. We function and then if, if we're not just on our own, we're functioning as a small family unit. And our interactions with other people and the busyness of this world certainly aren't that we're in each other's homes every day. So when we read that, it seems, I don't know, for yourself, for me, it seemed a little weird. Like, how does that happen? But for them, at that time, that would have been a very normal thing. Families were not just a couple of parents and their children. Families were extended. People lived together communally, and even if they weren't living in the same home, they were living with and amongst their relatives and, and a larger family unit. So it was very common for people to be in each other's lives. So when they started functioning as a family of God, as a family of followers of Jesus, they functioned the way a family would function, and they would be in each other's homes and each other's lives. It even says, and it, it makes a, 
a bit of this statement in two, but then it really elaborates on in Acts 4. They shared their possessions with one another. That it said that no one had any need. Like, you know, there weren't, they were making sure that the needs of each other were covered. Now, again, in the context of, of our Western world, uh, and particularly the, you know, the overall wealth we've got here in, in Ontario or in the GTA, when they're talking about needs being covered, they were making sure that people had food, that they had clothes, and they had shelter. There wasn't anyone that was going without those things. You know, and they were, they were ensuring that, that you know, people could take care of themselves and their children. If, and if for whatever reason there were people there that couldn't, they were making sure those needs were met amongst each other. Which again, is just this really collective way of living. But it demonstrated the care that God has for each and every one of us. You know, it was practically living out the thing that they were believing about Jesus and about who God was and about his goodness and his grace. It wasn't every man for themselves or every family for themselves. It was, you know, our strength is in the strength of our community together. And it was that way of thinking that was so life-changing for those people and life-changing. People were in awe. It says that in Scripture. When people looked at how they functioned and how they were, people were in awe of them. And many historians of the time, secular historians, would comment on just the absolute love and care that the Christians had for one another. And then that extended out to the needy and the poor you know, outside of the Christian community. But just the, the care that they took in caring in for one another and other people. And, and this ultimately is the living out of the gospel and living out of community. And so again, there's lots of reasons that over the last you know, centuries, the church has got to this place where it's less about community and more about showing up on a Sunday and hearing a sermon and, and us gaining some knowledge and then going back and trying to apply that ourselves in our lives. But actual community is we learn to apply these things together. You know, we learn to walk together. It's, it's, it's not about the individual. It's about the strength of a community as a whole. And so, as we have experienced this pandemic, and we've seen the, the effects of isolation, we've seen the effects of, you know, and some of those effects have been really good of the pandemic, in the sense that we've slowed our lives down. Because before... We're, you know, before the pandemic, we're really busy, we're commuting all over the place, we're involved in all kinds of activities, our kids are involved in all kinds of activities, but the center of all of that was still ourselves, right? What's best for me? What's best for my kids? How am I helping my family move forward? You know, how am I accumulating wealth? How am I making sure that my kids get all these different skills and all these different things? And we would do that very individually. This pandemic has shown us the, the, the hollowness of when we're forced to be separate from one another. You know, that we've, we're able to enjoy the peace that's come with slowing down and being able to enjoy our family more, not be driven by these desires of, of I've got to accumulate and I've got to succeed and I've got to do all these different things. But we've also seen the loneliness that comes when we're truly cut off from other people. And, and if you're single or living alone or some of the people in our community that are elderly, you've really felt the effects of that. And so, again, our strength as a community is our strength in taking care of everybody, you know, from young to old. 
Again, our, our society does all these interesting things, right? Like, you know, we, because they're efficient. So we put all kids together of the same age in a specific grade. And we gather people in these small little groupings and, and deal with them in these small little groupings. But in, in biblical times, it wasn't like that at all. You had all multi-generations affecting one another. That, you know, it wasn't about, well, the seniors are over here and the, you know, the kids are over here and the young adults are here and the teens are here and the single people are here and the married people are here. It's, it's that a community functioned together. It took care of every generation of everyone. So as, as we move forward it's not just about knowing the gospel, but it's about us living that gospel out. It's about demonstrating the same care and love that Jesus has demonstrated for us. It's the goodness of God being lived out into each other's lives and from there into the communities beyond us. But it, it's so key that we, we, we start allowing God to address our thinking in these areas. And, and we start allowing God to open our, up our, our thinking to realize that we're actually stronger together. It's not our individual achievements that are the most important thing. It's us functioning collectively. It's us caring for one another collectively. It's us helping each other succeed collectively, making sure our needs are met. We live in this crazy city that's one of the most expensive places to live really in the world. You know, in this area, how do we help one another with those things? You know, how do we how do we care for one another in a in a in a culture that seeks to separate? So these are just a few things that I wanted to put into our minds today, because you know the answer when I, I I pose these as questions, but the answer is very clear in what Jesus taught. Because he said the greatest commandment is that we love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And he said, you know, people will know you. And he's speaking to his disciples. You, people will know you for your love for one another. And that's in the Gospel of John. If you're like, well, where does it say that? John and, you know, the section of uh, the Gospel of John verses basically 14, or chapter 14, 15 through 17. Amazing stuff about about how we're to live as, as a community and the Holy Spirit moving and working through us. And it's just beautiful and amazing. So, you know, there's, there's one other thing that I want to speak to us about today, you know, as we're in, in the context of community, in the context of us loving one another. I had this wonderful, uh, I guess it was really a texting back and forth with, with someone in the community this week, just in regards to um, vaccines, and as you've heard me say, you know, many times uh, here from the front, I've got vaccinated my whole family. Well, not much. Seth isn't able to, but Joel, Lee, I, we've been vaccinated. I think all the eldership team has been vaccinated uh, at this point in time uh, with COVID. But I also know there's people in the community that maybe are hesitant, that maybe are, for whatever reason, that they don't feel they can. You know, we had a conversation with a friend who's pregnant and just at this stage doesn't feel that they want to take a risk of anything. And so they're, they're choosing at this moment not to get vaccinated. And we have, you know other people that just for different reasons. And maybe you're one of those people that said, hey, I, I, don't, I just am not comfortable getting vaccinated. I want to say that's okay. In a, in a community, we don't all agree. We don't all have things of the same mind. You know, the part that's wonderful is us being united together in love, even in our disagreements, even in our differences of opinions on things. 
But in, in that exchange, this person shared some information with me that I went, oh, I've never heard that before. I need to go look that up. And so I went and looked it up and, and found out that the information that was being passed to me actually wasn't true. It was factually wrong. And there's a difference between us having opinions and us having us saying things that have been told to us that actually aren't correct. And I don't think this person had any bad motives at all. You know, I think they fully believe that the information they were passing on to me is, is correct and however it got to them. And so it, it's, I'm not addressing this, you know, if, if you're that person that's watching, this is not a comment about you at all, wonderful heart. And, and often when we have information that comes to us, we can easily just pass it on without checking if it's true. And this happens, you know, in rumors about people, you know, so often in a community. Oh, did you hear about this person? Did you hear what they did to so-and-so? You know, the, we, these little things that we pass on. But in our passing on of information, we can get it really wrong. You know, and, and suddenly we, we start spreading something to other people or casually just passing on information and it's not true. And this is something that actually can damage a community very much. And so it's really important. I, I just share saying it's really important that we check facts and really research them before we pass them on. So for example, it, with the vaccine, a couple of things that are out there that are just not true. You know, one of the things is put, is put out there is that there are fetuses in the, you know, or, or aborted babies are used in the development of the vaccine or that the vaccine actually contains fetal cells that's not true. Yeah. The truth is, if you go and you, and you search it out then, and do some research, is that in the medical development of these vaccines, and I'm not a scientist, but somewhere in the development and testing process, they do use cells that originally came from an aborted fetus from the 1950s or 60s. And that those have been, those have been replicated and used in different testing processes. Again, I'm really cautious in how I'm presenting this information because I'm not an expert in this. So I encourage you to Google it and go and look it up and make sure you don't look at a, like look at very credible sources, credible news sources, credible government websites, hospital websites, not just this doctor over here that you don't know who they are says this, that we look at credible information. The other thing that is put out there is that, you know, the, the, with the vaccines, is that they contain information that can change your DNA. And that's not true either. And I'm not even going to begin to try to explain that because I'll get it wrong. I'm not a medical scientist. But here's what I want to say to you here's the amazing thing for us as a community. We've got someone in our community. We actually have two pharmacists in our community. We've got Tina, who is in Toronto, working at one of the Toronto hospitals. And we have got Shamla, who's our church administrator, really accessible to you, who you can email at shamla at lifehouse.ca, who was a phar pharmacist you know, in, in South Africa. And she's gone and done the research for herself. And she can explain it to you with a medical background in a way that won't be confusing, you know, so that... So that if you're making a decision about something, you're making it based on true facts, not on, on facts that are not correct. And this has got to be, I'm talking right here about, you know, there's just been so much misinformation regarding a vaccine. 
You know, but there's so much misinformation about all kinds of things. There's really bad theology out there that people put out as true. There's, that are just not true. There's rumors about people that people put out there as true, and they're not true. And so, my encouragement to us, if we're going to have a good, healthy, Christ-centered community, is that, you know, James says, not this James, the book of James, that we should be slow to speak. We're quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think it's really important. I make this mistake. Sometimes I say things that I maybe should have been a little bit more circumspect or taken more time before I communicated them. And I think we've got to be really careful with what we, with the information we pass on. We've got to be very careful about what we say about one another. And as, as those that are listeners, very careful what we listen to. If someone wants to come and bring us bad information, you know, share, share something about someone with us, the most loving thing at times we can do is say, actually, you know what, that really makes me uncomfortable, you saying that about that person. You know, a loving way, not a judgmental way, but that we would just, we would truly care for and love one another. This is just a practical thing for, for us as a community. But it's one of the ways that we either, our choices, they either build up Jesus or tear him, or, you know, they build up community by following Jesus or they tear community down because we aren't being that self-controlled and, and loving and patient in what it is that we do. I was taught by someone uh, several years ago, and it's something that stuck with me, is that Galatians you know, 5, 22, 23 should always be the test of our motives and what we're doing. And, and it tells us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, perseverance, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so as we function as a community together, as we're making decisions for the best of Lifehouse as a community, let's let those be the test with which we interact with one another on on how we do things with one another, because that is the true fruit of the Spirit. If something that we're communicating or something being communicated with us or something we're believing about others in that community doesn't pass that test, then the source of it is pretty unlikely to be Jesus. With that, love you all. Let's build one another up in love. You can get together in groups of five, so please do that. Check in with one another, care for one another, watch over one another. Let's love one another greatly. Okay, wonderful. Fact check what I said, because again, I'm not a scientist. Make sure you go and Google that, look it up. Again, use good government you know, or... or um, news sources, not just like alternative media. Look at things, look at it from all sides so that we are truly presenting facts to one another. Wonderful. Love you all. Have a great week. Adam. <laughs> I'm going to go and fact check James on that. Make sure that he got all the fruits of the Spirit correct in Galatians 5. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming, for joining with us. Um, I want to encourage you that um, church, how I, like to, how I like to think of church, it's not like 
oh, we go to church and cool, we can tick a box and that's us done. Now we can just crack on with whatever we want to do for the, the rest of the week. How I like to view church is more like like a recap, like a halftime talk, like let's get together, let's refresh ourselves, let's remind ourselves what we're here for, and then let's spend the rest of the week living as followers of Christ and loving people and being community. Like James said, we can meet five people outside. So as long as we're still kind of doing the restrictions, we're really hoping that they're loosening up soon. Um, but yeah, I want to encourage you this week to, uh, as James was saying, to be community, to show Jesus' love wherever you can. And uh, yeah, that's it. So um, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Have a great week. You are loved. You are blessed. You are brave and strong. And uh, we love you. Have a great week. Bye for now.